Hi, welcome to a brand new edition of the Current Account Podcast. I'm your host, Hamsini Karthik, and joining me today is Nilesh Shah, founder and CEO of Envision Capital. Well, Nilesh is here to talk to us about something which has been hurting the markets globally, particularly in the US. We recently had more than 10 banks getting downgraded in one stroke in the US. But banks in India, it, for them, it was pretty much like life as normal. It didn't quite matter what happened in the US. Nilesh is here with us to explain why life is pretty much the same for banks in India, how he reads the gone by waters results for the whole system, and where one should be a little cautious about. Thank you so much, Nilesh, for joining in. This is a topic that's sort of uh, uh, really hitting the headline in the US, but in India, it, it's a completely different situation altogether. We recently saw over 10 banks getting downgraded in uh, one go in the US. We thought that it would have effects across emerging markets, other markets as well. But specifically, I think barring yesterday's announcement by the Reserve Bank of India to, to introduce that incremental CRR, we've not had banks sort of absorb this uh, news in the Western nation uh, with any difficulty at all. We've been very sanguine. What is it actually leading to this sort of a behavior, uh, Nilesh, in India? Uh, hi, Hamsini. Always a pleasure interacting with you. I think while banking is a kind of a global business and uh, there are there are deep global linkages, but at the end of the day, uh, it's also highly localized or it's highly country specific. So the challenges which banks in the United States could have uh, may not necessarily imply that uh, the banks here in India could have similar challenges, uh, especially because uh, the banks in India essentially are coming out of a phase where a lot of consolidation has already happened. Mm -hmm. Cleanup of the balance sheets has already happened. And so therefore, they are not in a similar stress situation. Okay. Okay. And uh, is there absolutely zero interconnectedness today between uh, banks across the globe? Um, it wasn't so disconnected uh, even until uh, uh, 2010. I mean, GS GFC had a big time ripple effect or or for that matter, even the run-up to GFC had a lot of ripple effect on the system uh, in terms of liquidity, in terms of operations, uh, the larger businesses, etc. How are we so non-interconnected today? Yep. So I think even in the GFC, um, it was not so much about just sheer stress, but it was mm -hmm. about whether um, the banks there or the financial institutions out there would survive or not. Okay. Uh, it's only when one of the big names um, pretty much succumbed and 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 mm. survive mm. did it cause any kind of a ripple effect or did okay. it bring about a collateral damage. Okay. Um, so I think as long as it is restricted to just concerns, I think I would say the interlinkages are very limited. But the day you see an existential crisis or an issue of survival, my sense is that the interconnectedness will surely come to the fore because that would be more an issue about sentiment rather okay. than sheer fundamentals. Right. From a market perspective, we've seen a lot of FIF flows into the markets as such, till July at least, as to the available data, largely because India is that one spot which is 
continuing to promise growth uh, would you uh, would you extend the analogy with banks as well and given how uh, the the june quarter has quite panned out for the sector it's very difficult to put your finger on to one name and say oh, hey i'm disappointed with this bank's numbers isn't it oh absolutely i think banks have put up a, a stellar show and a stellar performance uh, in mm-hmm. the quarter gone by as well as in in a few quarters earlier on as well so i would probably right. think that over the last maybe 3 to 4 quarters in a row banks have mm. reported performance which is been which is exceeded expectations and uh, they currently continue to be in a sweet spot uh, where the economy is strong growth is strong demand for yeah. credit is in double digits so essentially there is a demand for their loans neither is asset quality or credit quality yet a challenge um a lot of these banks are very well capitalized they have enough of capital buffers mm. uh, so i think there are a set of tailwinds or a set of cushions which are working for our our banks the only challenge which our banks could face uh, are essentially the increasing cost of deposits uh, as right. it moves from current account and savings accounts into fixed deposits the cost of funds for banks uh, goes up obviously they can pass on some of it uh, but if they are not able to pass on all of it it will put some pressure on their nims or on their net interest margins I think even in the June quarter, things were, I think, on an average, down by about twenty bips for uh, the private sector banks. Even the PSU banks have faced an incompletion. Yes, Amsuni. So, but still, you know, a twenty bips compression is still pretty much, I would say, is accommodative. It is something which can still be absorbed because when mm. you are having net interest margins of three percent, four percent, or even north of four percent. a 20 basis point reduction or compression isn't a big deal it's only when this continues for maybe a couple of more quarters it will start mm. on the incomes of the banks right right to that extent yesterday's introduction of uh, or rather the proposal to come out with uh, incremental cash reserve ratio uh that's expected to suck out uh, system liquidity by at least 70 to 70000 crores to a lakh of uh, uh, crores do you believe that that could uh, also have a bearing on nims um, as we go forward of course the right now the uh, intention is only to have it play till september relook at the uh, 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 outcome of this exercise and then uh, look at its continuance but do you think that could sort of have an implication on bank nims in uh, q2 uh i think the 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 nims of banks in q2 were, were anyway still set for a decline uh, yeah. versus what we have seen in the june quarter and that is more because of the rising cost of deposits right uh, right but i don't think that compression is yet going to be very meaningful it would pretty much be like uh, what the compression that we have seen in the first quarter the quarter ended june right okay uh, this hike in crr would probably uh, not yet have a meaningful impact because we also are now getting into like the, the off season or okay. basically we are getting into a lean season the lean july season for banking yeah so i think yet probably banks still will be in a comfortable situation for at least another quarter 
Um, it has to be seen what are the steps uh, which lie ahead. Uh, right. I think, and how inflation behaves, right. I think that will really set the stone for the quarters ahead. What else sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, think are, were the positive takeaways from the June quarter results for banks? And uh, what are the one or two aspects where you were not very comfortable with, apart from uh, the compression in NIM that we spoke about? So across the board, there was basically a healthy uptick in credit demand. Right. Um, I think that continues to be buoyant. That's also reflective of the economy growing at 6 to 7% in real terms and maybe 10 to 12% in nominal terms. Mm. Um, and when we have a situation like that, uh, credit does tend to grow in mid-teens. So I think right. that was basically a big, big positive. Right. Um, the second is essentially bank continuing to expand quite meaningfully in terms of hiring, in terms of investing in technology, or even opening new branches. And that yet did not have that much of an impact on their cost-to-income ratio. Right. Right. Um, so I think that these were the two big kind of positives which came out of the June quarter for the banks. Okay. In terms of the kind of negatives or the not so good factors apart from the uh, the NIM compression, I think in some cases we began to see slightly an increasing credit cost or a bit of a, a kind of a sequential spike in the gross NPAs. I mean, again, nothing alarming. These could just be, you know, technical issues, nothing more than that. But I think, yes, there were some spots where you could notice that, but nothing which is yet any, any which, which can ring, you know, alarm bells or anything like that. The third, I think, area is, of course, the sharp increase in unsecured loans, which I think the Reserve Bank of India have already flagged off. And so obviously, of course, it's, it's a nice kind of uh, intimation to the bank saying is, you know, like, you know, guys, watch out. Uh, but again, these are still very early days. I still early think days. the overall system is very, very comfortable. Uh, if you could get down to a little bit of uh, specifics where you found a little more discomfort in terms of the way credit costs spike, or where, where, I mean, names where you would want to, you know, look at with caution starting Q2 uh, on this particular parameter. I still don't think that Q2 itself will pose a challenge because okay. Q2, again, I still think the, the overall liquidity will still be good. Okay. So I don't think overall there's going to be any any kind of stress or, or challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what we have to bear in mind is that with crude oil prices going up and with the Reserve Bank of India guiding for or upwardly revising its inflation estimates, mm -hmm have to see how H2 plays out okay. for the economy and for the banking system. So I still think that the, the September quarter will not present any kind of significant challenges. Right. We have to see how H2 plays out for the economy and for the banking system. Fair point. Let's come into, uh, you know, valuations. Um, some of the uh, stocks which were beaten down for more than a year They've seen a huge rally, a massive uptick in terms of their valuations. But some of the heavyweights of the sector, like a Kotak or a HDFC bank, 
which have historically commanded very uh, very pristine valuations have seen uh, erosion if you are to tell that you know these are the names which would give you comfort or these are the names where you should be a little watchful because of some possible corporate action like uh, in case of idfc the merger with the parent the bank and the parent company or uh, an acquisition that's already been spelled out by a couple of banks uh, can you take us through some of that parts so um, so the way i i look at it um, i think overall uh, the banks are in a benign environment benign um, yes and, okay. and the environment is really good for them um, okay so uh, you know, banks like HDFC Bank and Kotak Bank, which are best in class, um, they they basically look very good or look better or they do better when the environment is more tough. Um, as there's a saying that, you know, uh, when the going is tough, the tough get going. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, HDFC Bank and, and Kotak Bank and some of the other stronger banks will probably do relatively better versus rest of the pack when the environment is more challenging. Um, currently, what has happened is that post the challenging environment of the past, uh, a lot of the banks have managed to get their act together. They have been able to clean up the balance sheet, make provisions, raise capital, uh, and also build the liability franchise. And I think that is what is holding these banks in mm-hmm. good um, and that has got reflected in their stock prices over maybe the last four quarters or so, where right. some of these banks have probably gone to X uh, in terms of the valuations, whereas some of the larger banks have pretty much remained sideways. Right. Uh, right. I still think that I expect this environment to probably continue or extend itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will have to see for how long this environment continues. Um in terms of some of the other developments, like say a merger or any of the buyouts, these are more kind of technical things right. uh, where they are basically doing away with the holding company structure. Mm. But in no way does this lead to any kind of stress or impairment in the balance sheets of these banks. Uh, what we have to really watch out for is something more behavioral, which is that when some of these banks come under pressure to continue to expand their loan book and their credit book and start to dilute the lending standards, um, which then finally leads mm-hmm. to you know issues of asset quality and credit right. costs. Right. You have to right. watch out for that situation. But again, I would say that maybe still it's still uh, too early and too premature to even come uh, to this uh, point, Nilesh. Uh, we've seen a very good spell for banks. I mean, uh, when pandemic hit, we were we were all very apprehensive. You were one of the first to stay the, say that uh, you know you'll be very cautious on the sector. But uh, from March, in terms of uh, what the financials came out for uh, FY twenty one. From uh, to what happened till the period of FI twenty two, from then to now, banks have had a fabulous spell. Whether it is in terms of loan growth, asset quality, profitability, etc., uh, you, you know, uh, don't you think that you know 
a very protracted period of great spell is also uh, a point where one needs to take a step back and uh, uh, see whether we're reading things right. Um, if I were to put it in a very simple way, aren't we somewhere nearing the peak of things being too good to true to be true? Uh, yes, Hansini. So I I agree that you know. That that yes, things are things are really looking good right now, and things have been good for uh, banks over maybe the last maybe six to eight quarters. Um, but we have to keep in mind that actually, for majority of these banks, the diff the challenging period was even before COVID, and uh, right. that those the challenging period had started off in twenty eighteen. Ever since we had the the ILFS crisis. Um, and then, of course, uh, COVID only increased the challenges for some of the mid-sized or the smaller banks. Uh, so these banks have come out of almost a five-year period of stress or challenges. Mm. Uh, um, and so, so versus those five years, they've had it good for maybe the last five quarters. Okay. So let's see. I think uh, it's still so far so good. Uh, right. yet no signs of any major stress or major challenges so let's see mm. we will have to from here onwards uh, look at it more closely and look at it quarter over quarter okay one last point then uh, if I were an investor waiting to put some money uh, into the banks um, would it be hard to expect the kind of exponential gains that uh, we possibly saw in the last two years or there's still a lot of money to be made in the sector? Well, uh, it I think the kind of returns that we have seen in the in the last couple of years. So if you mm. if we look at it from the lows of COVID, some of these banks have gone between you know three to five X their stock prices. Right. Okay? Uh, in the last one year, in several of these cases, maybe the stock prices have gone up by 50 to 100 okay? percent. Right. So I think those kind of returns are probably now behind us. Uh, very unlikely that from here, the banks in a shorter time frame are going to essentially give you multiple time returns. Mm. Uh, from here, the returns are going to be more measured for banks. Uh, banks have some challenges in terms of the NIMS. Uh, some of the banks have also competition in terms of some of these fintechs coming sure. in. Yes. So they have a set of challenges. So my view is that the upside from here is going to depend a lot in terms of A, the growth in the loan book. Second is managing the credit cost. And the third is the ability to improve the return on asset and return on equity. I think from here on, the easy money is behind us and one will have to be very watchful and closely look at the fundamentals. And I think the, the returns in stock prices are going to be now more linked to the growth in the business franchise of these banks. Perfect. But whatever is happening in the US needn't perturb us just yet. Yes, absolutely, Hamsini. I still think it is early days. And I don't think we should yet start to assume that if there's a problem in the United States uh, in terms of their banks, it's also a problem for our banks. No, I think our banks are relatively great thanks to a very prudent uh, and a very agile uh, central bank and a regulator and the Reserve Bank right. of we have. Right, right.
Thank you so much, Nilesh. That was a very optimistic chat. I look forward to catching up with you uh, soon. Thank you, Hamsini. Always a pleasure. Nilesh leaves us on a note of optimism. And with that, it's a wrap on this edition of the Current Account Podcast. See you again in just about two weeks. Take care. 